Happy Friday, everyone, and thank you for joining us on Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of OEA. Fried Okra is a weekly podcast where we get together to talk about education issues in Oklahoma. We hope you'll join us every Friday. Well, we are thrilled this morning to visit with our friend of the podcast, Paul Shin, who is a recently retired budget and tax senior policy analyst with the Oklahoma Policy Institute. How are you, Paul? I'm great this morning. I'm so happy to be here with y'all. Well, we want to talk budget, which is your area of expertise. Um, there's been a lot of chatter about the budget this year, um, which is there's the lawmakers have more money to spend than ever. Um, so we need a little civics lesson. How tell us how we know how much we have to spend as a state? How do we how do we get to this magic number? Sure. The state has really, I think, one of the better processes in the country to figure out um, how much we can expect in revenue for our government and that's mm-hmm. how much we'll be able to spend. And it's a, called the Board of Equalization. It's a okay. group of mostly it's led by the governor and then um, mostly elected executive officials, as well as a few appointed ones under our Constitution. And all of this goes back to the 80s when the budget was collapsing because the oil industry was collapsing. Uh, the the board's task is to come up with a binding revenue estimate and that's a lid on the most the budget can be under current law and we'll come back to that current law because that's a um, an assumption that I think gets glossed over too fast so the board meets in December to do a preliminary estimate and um, we'll talk about that a little bit uh, in a bit. The preliminary estimate is binding only on the governor. The governor is required also oh, by okay. the Constitution to put mm-hmm. out a state budget. And, and a proje- um, I guess you'd call it his recommended budget when the uh-huh. session starts uh, next month. And it can be no more than the amount that the board certified for, for spending authority in December. Okay. They will update that in February. You know, there's another month or two okay. of, uh, of economic data they have. And, mm-hmm. you know, importantly, it's the, the month uh, in which we do our Christmas month or two, we do our Christmas shopping. So you oh, have right. kind of maybe yeah. a better feel for um, maybe there's more revenue, maybe there's less. Right. That's binding on the legislature then. They can't adopt a budget beyond that amount unless they make law changes to increase taxes or fines or um, use some money that is now not on the budget and put it into the budget. Does that help? Yes. So the number that we're looking at now um, is $10 billion, the most that we've had. So how, I mean, we've seen revenues are up. How are we getting, how are we getting to that number? Why is, I mean, especially during a pandemic, is the state have so much money? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and there's really, I think, two parts of it. And the, the number is is $10.3 billion. That's okay. the December estimate. And it is nominally the biggest we've ever had. Um, if you th- go back, though, and you think about, um, let's go back to, to 2000, which it's still hard for me to say the beginning of the century, but whatever. That, that's, <laughs> that's an old depressing. person's problem. That's Don't an old say person's that. problem. <laughs> so, so in 2000, if, if you look at this, cu- the current budget against uh-huh. 2000, it's actually 22% lower 
when you consider inflation and you consider how many more Oklahomans there are. Right. Right. Um, So, you know, this is this is a billion dollar bump basically over Mm -hmm. the current year. So, you know, it's not going to be 22 percent less. It might be 16, 17. I didn't do the math. Mm -hmm. So it's important to remember that this is a. a good, you know, it's always good when government mean, has more revenue because that means the economy's doing better. We all have, mm-hmm. you know, jobs, more pay, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So does this amount include, is it just revenue from Oklahomans or does this amount include, uh, I don't want to take us down a rabbit hole. Does this amount include any of the federal relief monies that have come in? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, the answer, Catherine, is our budget is really not reflective of the actual money coming into the state government because it not only ignores federal money, but it also ignores um, money that um, is typically called off the top money, you know, um, Mm -hmm. a, a, a tax that we get that some of it automatically goes somewhere. You know, one example is, yeah. the, you know, some of the individual income tax automatically goes to teacher retirement system. Yes. So that never, yes. you never see that on the budget. Yeah. So, you know, the state in a typical year collects about $20 billion, but only about 8 billion of it or nine or 10 this year is what we call the state budget. All of the rest uh, of it is just kind of on autopilot. You know, the federal mm-hmm. money, um, has to be used only sp- for specific purposes. It's mm-hmm. allocated. Agencies have to report that. It's pretty well controlled, but it's not mm-hmm. on the budget. So this is this is money that's available to be spent on services for Oklahomans on yeah, core this services. Is, for what Oklahomans. I would call is this is kind of discretionary money, um, okay. and and we hire people called state legislators and the governor to um, make those decisions, ideally, but not often informed by the preferences of the people. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Paul. I was just going to say, so so this $10.3 billion is up from um, 9.1 last year, and that's a lot of money. It sounds pretty good. Right, Uh, right. Then there's two components of that. One is economic growth. Um, You know, oil and gas prices, you know, we tax oil and gas at typically a 7% rate of the, um, you know, the, the value at the wellhead that people are often surprised that is not a huge part of our tax base. Only about 8% of our taxes come from those taxes on oil and gas. But that's also an important sector in our economy. Mm-hmm. So when oil's bopping around at what, 90 something dollars today, I think, per barrel, mm-hmm. Um, Oklahoma is going to have more oil and gas tax. They're going to have more personal income tax, more corporate income tax, mm-hmm. more sales tax. You know, when um, everyone out in the oil fields, it must be their year to buy a new truck. And so, um, <laughs> or if you could get a truck. If you could get a truck. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's part of it. And the other part is, you know, Carrie, you mentioned the pandemic. Uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, its impact on the economy looked way, way worse than it turned out to be. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'm it, it, before I was a budget and tax expert, I was a budget and tax practitioner. And when you're doing revenue estimates, you always want to be cautious. Mm-hmm. And when you're doing revenue estimates, you know, in something that happens every hundred years and very few of us were alive right. the last time, alive and in government, the last time it happened a hundred years ago, you know, um, right. you're going to be super cautious. Mm-hmm. So they were. 
And so in the fiscal year that ended last June, which the mm -hmm. state calls FY2020, they collected around $800 million more than they thought they would. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, because the original estimate, because it kind of sets the ceiling on the budget, that means the state took in more than $800 million-ish more than it spent last year. Mm -hmm. So that money is available to spend this year. Um, and there are also several other kind of just pockets of cash. So of that 10.3 billion, probably all of the growth, um, which looks like about 1.2 billion to me, all of the growth is in what you would call one-time money. It's mm. cash, extra revenue. And so the recurring growth, or the, you know, the, the amount that you right. could spend um, ongoing, almost no growth. And there's a third super important part of that, and that is tax cuts that the legislature enacted last session. Okay. So those are going to cost the state um, $350 billion in this coming year. Oh That's money the legislature decided we don't need to spend on public services in the coming year. Well, we'll agree to disagree. Or I will. I'll say <laughs> exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so that just makes my mind boggle for just a minute because, you know, I am not a tax expert. I am not a money expert, but those amounts do not agree with right. <laughs> what were what were allocated. Right. So we've been hearing chatter about from lawmakers saying don't expect anything but a flat budget. Um, and is that because of the the way that the, the the sources of our funds for the state budget? Well, it's really more of a choice that the legislature doesn't want to provide any more money. Mm. Um, the legislature, you know, um, this legislature is not the only one that's made tax cuts that to me seem really short-sighted. Uh, a matter of fact, we did add it up for something we wrote a couple of months ago at OK Policy. The tax cuts since 2000 total $2.2 billion. Wow. So, you know, we could be, if, if prior legislatures had thought more seriously about the needs 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the line, we could be talking about a $12.5 billion budget wow. ongoing money, and we're not. And and we and we know, and for folks who who might not be aware, undoing a tax break is next to impossible in our state. It's 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 a huge huge hurdle to overcome. So it's right. not cutting is much easier than reinstating. Absolutely, it takes a uh, either a three quarters vote of the legislature or a majority of vote of, of the people of Oklahoma to increase a tax. Whereas yeah. you know a, a fifty percent plus one majority of the right. legislature will cut one. Right. Yes. And that yeah, I do want to mention uh, we are tied for Arkansas. Honestly, we're tied for Arkansas in so many things. But my point here is we're tied with Arkansas on the most restrictive tax increase laws in the country. Um, and as, if I had that to look forward to, I'd be really careful about cutting things. As So I just want to apologize to everyone. because I've, <laughs> I've lived in two states. Sorry, friends, Arkansas and Oklahoma. Um, well, one of the things that, that is on that Catherine and I were, were just talking about that the needs of our students right now, and you could translate that to the needs of any population of Oklahomans, the, the needs of our elderly population. I mean, the, the, 
the needs right now are so intense. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just we folks folks need support unlike a time that any of us have ever seen. Um, so what what becomes of that, you know, when you have a flat budget? Well, you know, what usually happens is um, the legislature will shake some trees that are easy to shake to find 100, 200, 300 million more dollars, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. a quarter billion, a half a billion at the high side, um, Mm -hmm. without having to do something that qualifies as a tax increase under Mm -hmm. that state constitutional provision, SQ 640. They'll, they'll, you know, find some fees, they'll maybe take away a little tax exemption or two, something like that. And they'll likely, you know, in the past, they have typically given half the money of the additional money to education, not just K-12, but sometimes Mm -hmm. to other education levels as well. That at a minimum is what we should expect them to do. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, the... um, 95% 95% of Oklahoma kids school age are in public schools. That's, yep. you know, that's a lot of our little ones. That's what I think around 700,000 students right. these days. Is that about right? right? Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the uh, there are a handful of things that economic and policy literature is super clear on. Um, and one of them that we should never forget is an investment in children. The younger they are, any investment has payoffs to society that are calculated as infinity. In other words, a dollar you spend on a child or a service for a child will pay off to you in the future, to your state, your prosperity, your great-grandchildren, beyond the level you can count. So do we expect, uh, or do you expect maybe in February that the 10.3 billion may go up a little bit? Does it ever go down? It does. It does go down. Um, I would guess it would go up a little bit. I mean, you know, um, we have not seen, I guess we have seen the December sales taxes, the total December sales taxes um, from the state treasurer, the ones both that go on the budget and the ones that get set aside for various purposes. Um, That was a big number uh, that would maybe lead me to think that uh, we can expect a higher amount, you know, maybe a little, the amount that you're starting from, you know, they're they're probably going to pick a number, say three or 4% would be normal growth in the sales tax. But now that might be three or 4% above a higher level because it looks like this year's so good. I would think, you know, we would might see it two or three or 400 million more dollars there. Well, we are definitely watching it here at OEA. And I know that our educators and support staff and admin are watching it too, because this is a, this is a big year. This is an important one. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, as we try to move closer to normal, uh, we've got to have the school resources not just teachers, but geez, you know, right now, teachers, bus drivers, cafeteria yes. workers, substitutes, um, yes. substitutes. <laughs> you know, it's great that the that um, Superintendent Hoffmeister is was able to, you know, leverage those federal dollars to mm-hmm. start to get us the number of counselors. But um, I imagine that's a very slow rollout. And yeah. I imagine yeah. any kind of counselor is really tough to find right now. Yep. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, you know, I think 
uh, legislative studies notwithstanding, I think it's we've really got to look at what we pay teachers. Um, probably Absolutely. more importantly, you know, what we pay support staff because you yes. know um, there's so much talk about people are um, you know people are leaving jobs for better paying jobs. Well, geez, you know, there's a lot better pay jobs yeah. than being a janitor or an mm -hmm. aide or a or a um, cafeteria worker and which is you know we were I was talking about it with someone the other day which is wild because these are jobs that keep our kids safe mm -hmm. you know that keep yeah. our places clean and get them to school in yeah. a safe fashion and serve food that is safe to eat and and it is of course of course the positions can't be filled because they they pay hardly anything. Right. What, what was it? Average $15,000 a year. It's, yeah. it's very low. And that's, that's an average. Yeah. There's yeah and less. you know, everyone has a story. Everyone who's grown up and gone to school, particularly public school has a story about someone important in their life um, at a school. And often yes. that's a teacher, but um, you know, just as often, I think for a lot of kids, it's the bus driver. Or the yep. custodian yeah. who stopped and asked them how they were doing or the um, yep. or an administrator, you know, it's just and, and we need to think about we aren't always great at kind of systems that wrap around people as Americans. Mm -hmm. It's not just Oklahoma, but it's a, a well-functioning school is a big system that does wrap around people. And we really need to yep. appreciate more. We need to support that. And we need to not let it deteriorate. We need to make, you know, the schools of the 2030s better than the schools yeah. of the 1950s and 60s that I went to. It's a core service, just like road and bridges, public Absolutely. health, public yeah. safety. Yep. We're a core service. Well, we appreciate your expertise as always, and congratulations on your yeah. retirement. So thanks for making uh, time for us, even, even in this next stage for you. Thank you. It's always a joy to talk with you all, and I look forward to the great work that you're going to be doing in the coming session and for years beyond. Well, now we are really excited to talk about a super fun event. I, if you, I, you can't tell, I just underlined super fun. It is my um, favorite. It our, is my favorite. Yes. Our yes. annual organizing conference. Oh my gosh. It's going to be great. Um, we are joined by our OEA co-chairs who are organizing that John Marie Piguet, who is our Tulsa Metro advocacy specialist and Brian Johnson, who is our Southeast organizing specialist. How are you guys doing? Great. How are you? Right. Good. Yay. Good. Thank you guys for coming to talk to us. Um, so talk to us about, um, John Marie, let's start with you. Talk to us about the theme of, of the conference this year and kind of the background of that. The theme this year is Better Together, organizing through advocacy. And we thought with all of the issues going on in our schools right now, and the most recent thing with schools being going back to distance learning, that if we could focus on our teachers and focus on health, wellness, mm -hmm. General overall health that this would be a, a great theme, and so that's what we've gone with this year. Cool. So, uh, talk about Brian. Can you tell us about some of the sessions that we're that we can expect at organizing conference this year? Absolutely. So we're really excited to be able to tap some experts uh, to present on uh, a few different topics at organizing conference. Uh, so we're going to have a team that's going to present on. Uh, educator and support professional and student just wellness. We know that that's something that uh, 
everyone needs a little bit of right now. Um, yeah. But also uh, how to how to build community partnerships. Um, so thinking about you know your local PTA, uh, local businesses. Uh, if you have a, a parent legislative action committee in your community, how do, how do we reach out to those folks and to, to better public education across the state? Uh, and then also we'll have somebody, we'll have a couple of people presenting on community schools. Uh, and then we'll have a federal mediator that we're really excited about coming in and talking about how we can build relationships uh, with school administrators, with school board members, so that when locals do come to the bargaining table, um, those those bargaining sessions are can can be a little easier because you have a relationship developed already. Uh, we we've experienced so much in the last several years the importance of um, it's not just the relationships within our school sites, it's the relationships outside of our 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 schools and the communities uh, that we need to build. Um, this is, we have some really super exciting sessions coming up. I'm excited. Anything else that's going to be happening? Because uh, it's two days, right? It's a Friday and a Saturday. It is two days. So uh, so those sessions will happen on Saturday, the 26th. And then on Friday night, the 25th, before uh, or when we start the conference, uh, we're having just a better together social. We just want educators, uh, so our support professionals, our student or retired members, everyone that's coming to organizing conference, just we just wanna give people a chance to get together uh, and have some fun. So we're going to have, we kind of have two fundraisers for the Fund for Children and Public Education. We're going to have a Singo contest. Uh, so it'll be like bingo, listening <laughs> to some different song clips. And I know Catherine's excited. Uh, Can I say, I, when, when we had Singo before the pandemic, the first, the conference before the pandemic, and I was like, what is Singo? And then it was explained to me and I was like, that's dumb. And then I sang to all the songs and they were <laughs> so much fun. I was very suspicious, but it was super, super fun. So one fun. big sing-along is what we, what we have yes, planned. Yeah. It is super fun. <laughs> And then what I'm really excited about, um, we are going to be hosting our second annual lip sync battle. Oh, man. It is so epic. It <laughs> is so epic. And people need to, people can compete in this, right? Yeah. So we are looking yeah. for up to 10 <clears throat> uh, member teams. So if you get a chance, um, get together with your, some of your members, or if you have association friends that are in, in another part of the state, Pick a song, uh, practice or don't practice. We don't, <laughs> we don't, we don't care. It's more fun uh, when you don't. <laughs> and, and register. So you can, you can find that link to that form at okea.org slash better together. Uh, and I also hear that there will be an epic trophy yes. uh, for the winner. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. that I, yep. I am making it and I am excited and it's going to be adorable. Catherine, are you going to enter? Yes. Oh my gosh. A, it is a so, so, so secret. We've already started. Oh, okay. Okay. It, oh, it so is, no it, sneak peeks here. Yeah. It, I, it, well, it I is just, going to be epic. I, you could not pay me enough to, to do this. Like I, it makes me want to break out in hives. I will watch it. I will love it. And I will be all up on it, but I could not, I, I will, would break out in hives if I had to do that. So I'm glad that there are people who are willing to do it because I am not one of those people. So 
I appreciate it. Um, well, so one of the things I wanted to ask about was we're, because we're actually going to be in person, John Marie, can you give us kind of a, an overview of what, what is, what is this going to look like being actually together in real life, hopefully, uh, for the first time in a long time? Um, well, first of all, I want to hit on, we are having this at the Embassy Suites Northwest in Oklahoma City, uh-huh. and they open in December of 2019, and then shortly after close, so it's it's pretty new, not a lot of people have got to go to it, they haven't had many um, conferences, so the facilities are brand new, I'm, su- I'm super excited about those. Cool. Um, with, with the pandemic, with COVID, uh, we are requiring proof of COVID-19 back, uh, vaccinations uh, for attendance. Mm-hmm. Uh, masks are required in common spaces, but optional when seated in, in the actual breakout sessions. And then we'll have masks and sanitation stations set up available. Um, if, if you're not vaccinated, we are offering the virtual option. So yeah. either way, you're able to attend the sessions. Uh, most of these sections, sessions, I believe, will be interactive. So there'll be a way to um, at least get questions answered. Cool. And so, Brian, I know that we have had a hyper focus on our early career educators. And, uh, you know, our, our educators that are seven years or less. And uh, what are we doing to help? bring them together and um, and include our early career educators. So we're really excited that uh, as part of organizing conference this year, we're going to be offering um, a a special kind of networking, training, uh, social opportunities for those early career educators. Uh, We're talking teachers and support professionals uh, that have that seven years uh, of experience or less. Uh, And we're, so we're inviting you, you're going to receive, free registration for organizing conference. Uh, you'll be able to, to stay at the hotel Embassy Suites, uh, Northwest Oklahoma City um, on both evenings, the 25th and the 26th, completely free, uh, thanks to a grant that we've received from the National Education Association. Awesome. So if this, uh, if this fits you, you fall under that seven years, um, definitely register and, um, and we'll see you at organizing conference. I, I love that. There's not there's not always the opportunity and even and especially if you're in a really small district you might be the only kind of newer person or I just love that there's a chance to actually meet across geography across you know I mean it doesn't it doesn't always get to happen in education so I think that is such a cool part of it and you get to stay for free at the hotel it's a nice hotel you know um so early bird sign up is happening Sign yes, up now, right save now. all the money. Okay, so tell us about what's that deadline and all that all that good stuff. So you can register until February 4th uh, for $35. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it goes up to $50. And uh, you can register until uh, registration ends on February 23rd. So you definitely want to do that sooner rather than later. Yes. Uh, and then if you're staying overnight uh, at Embassy Suites, you definitely want to give them a call. You can find information again on our website, okea.org slash better together. Uh, mention that you're there for the organizing conference and you'll get a special uh, discount rate. Oh, fancy. Well, thank you, John Marie and Brian for your work on this conference. It is so fun and I cannot, I cannot wait. It's going to be super fun. We're excited.
Hope to see everyone there. Well, let's just take some time and catch up with Catherine. Uh, Monday, Martin Luther King Jr. Day, January the 17th, OEA is entered in. We will be a part of the Tulsa Parade and the Oklahoma City Parade. Tulsa Tulsa starts at 11 o'clock and then Oklahoma City starts at two o'clock. We have posted these on our Facebook page under events. Uh, You'll see the events and as we get more information on where our location, exactly where our location will be, um, we're going to keep it updated there. So please come out, walk with us. Carrie, it is is one of my favorite things to do. And we'll have candy to not, not throw it children but to hand to children yes Uh, we are going to be taking all the safety protocols we're going to be masking up making sure we're outside we're going to be social distancing doing all the right things we need to do but uh it is a time to help honor the legacy of dr martin luther king jr and do uh and and really uh this is civication right here on martin luther king jr day yes and then um let you know about, we have two administrative assistance openings at OEA. Come work for us. Yeah. And yeah. The, you want to go online at okea.org slash careers because the, the application uh, is going to be closing on Wednesday, January the 19th. And this Talk is a way there. Hey, we are a cool group. Uh, it's really, it's really a great place to work. It it's is. a great place to work. It is fun. And, and on civication, a, a, a sad note, but we, we want to make sure that uh, we are stewards of um, following any type of protocols mm-hmm. to help keep our community safe. And so, unfortunately, uh, we had this week was starting our civication dinners, our dinners with legislators, and we've had to postpone those. And, and I use yeah. the word postpone. We are going to be, we're working right now to get those rescheduled because those are so important. But it is a time for OEA members to come out, sit down, have conversation with the legislators in their area, the area that represents them. Mm-hmm. And we know those are going to be amazing. Uh, next week, we'll kind of keep you updated on if there's any further postponements. But yep. we, look, we, we just wanted to postpone for this week and next week. And then we'll start those back up again um, and have great fellowship. And you can go ha- on okea.org slash civication for the latest, the latest yeah. dates and times and locations and all of that information. Yeah. We'll keep those um, updated on a moment's notice. Because that has been our lives for two years. <laughs> years. A moment's notice. notice. Uh, well, Um, We want to say thank you so much to Paul Shin, the world's greatest budget guru. Um, We want to say thank you to Brian Johnson and John Marie Piguet for coming and visiting with us about the organizing conference, which is going to be super fun. And of course, we want to say thank you. Thank you for listening to Fried Okra, the public education podcast for Oklahomans. I'm Carrie Coppernall-Jacobs with the Oklahoma Education Association. And I'm Catherine Bishop, president of the OEA. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Fried Okra on Apple Podcasts. You can also contact us at friedokrapodcast at gmail.com. We hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, keep fighting the good fight for public education. <laughs>